the WNBA season draws ever closer. M. Adler is here to talk about the Seattle Storm. Lockdown Women's Basketball starts now. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Oh, boy, do I love our theme song. And welcome. It is Tuesday, April 26th, and this is Lockdown Women's Basketball. I'm host Howard McDonald. Remind you, you can follow us on Lockdown WBB. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever. doesn't matter. Subscribe to us there and follow all the work we do at The Next Hoops, literally at The Next Hoops on Twitter. You go to thenexthoops.com to make sure that you are Locked on every single team. And thank you for making Locked on Women's Basketball your first team, your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. Locked on Women's Basketball is brought to you by Shady Rays. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that gives you the features of $200 sunglasses for a fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses, well-constructed durable frames, premium high-end finishes, you can look straight at an eclipse if you want, I guess. Also, something you won't find anywhere else is Shady Rays' insane protection program. Shady Rays includes lost and broken protection on every pair. They will send you a brand new pair if you lose them, no matter what happened, which for somebody who loses a lot of things, that is really gratifying to hear. Give them a try. If you don't love them, you'll pay nothing. It's as simple as that. Plus, 10 meals are donated, 10 to fight hunger in America when you shop with Shady Rays. Exclusively for our listeners, head to ShadyRays.com and use code LOCKEDON to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's code LOCKEDON for their best deal of the season. Backed by over 150,000 verified five-star reviews. Somebody also, I think, who uh, gets plenty of five-star reviews uh, for their work is M. Adler, who's with us talking Seattle Storm basketball. Am, are there any high-profile players on the Seattle Storm, people, you know, at the top of the league that we ought to know about? Some, some would argue there are. Some would argue there, there aren't. I personally fall into the former camp. Um, one of those stars currently is not um, playing games right now, as are many of the players who played overseas. So you have Gabby Williams and Brianne January, who are still in, uh, I believe, Turkey. Finishing up that season, they are going to be a little bit late, but I believe they should be available sometime soon. They're not in Hungary, but but they are going to be available sometime soon for camp. They'll be ready-ish for the, for around the start of the season. But the star who is not here yet is Sue Bird, because she's not here. That's opening a lot of opportunities in camp for wings and uh, and guards who uh, came off the undrafted list or uh, who might have been drafted or came off the waiver wire to get some opportunities in preseason games. Did we find out why Sue is not? available yet why she's not there is there is she recording like a director's cut of bts or you know what's going on there if she is you know i want to see it that's a great idea you should pitch that i would watch that i would watch that i i think it's gonna be interesting and and i like that people are getting the opportunities because sue and and i don't want to put words in your mouth but i think sue has probably made the roster 
I mean, it's possible her salary's not protected. She's on a vet minimum, so it's a training camp deal. We'll see what happens afterwards. But, you know, I mean, I, I mean, back on Saturday, Raina Perez played pretty well. Um, Perfect Prince still has something to shout. Um, Stephanie Talbot had three assists. You know, there's competition. Yeah. It's true. We, we, we wish Syosatone the best of luck in her effort to make the roster despite being on the vet minimum contract in Sue Bird. Uh, when you look at that game, so Seattle, and this matters less than virtually any fact in the face of the earth, Seattle 81, Los Angeles 68. Uh, when you watch the game, I'm just curious, what are some of the biggest takeaways that stuck out for you? Yeah, so I mean, just going through the game, the first thing that pops up was just the chemistry. Obviously, Seattle, uh, the core of players we're talking about, the top seven, eight in the, eight, I'd say the top seven or eight in the rotation, just in terms of who they're playing with right now, the starting lineup in which you have um, Thomas running to the three. That might happen in the season. She might close at the three. Um, but Piff, who was basically their first guard off the bench, Tiffany Prince, playing in place of Sue Bird. So they were spreading the ball around a little bit more, Jewel doing a little more playmaking than you would normally expect. But I, I mean, even then, just the chemistry is just astounding. I think like the second or third offensive possession they had in the game, you have a Jewel as a empty side pick and roll. Just Jewel takes the exact number, proper number of steps. She hits a push pass right in between the, the sideline trap. As he is right there on the roll, she knows exactly where to put her feet. And just the help side defense, it can't come in. Because setting the opposite corner is Stewie, and that's probably someone you don't want to give an open three to. As he knows exactly where the defense is probably going to be because of how many times they've done it, it's perfect. It's simple. They get the basket up. Like a quarter later, um, the Storm are running a set. Jewel just gets the – they're just five out space along the perimeter. Jewel gets the ball. Um, she drives baseline. Help comes from the opposite baseline. And Stewie just sort of improvises a basket cut because she sees their defender's backs turned. And before Stewie even starts cutting, the ball's already out of Jewel's hands. It hits Stewie right in time, easy floater. They, there is probably no other team in the league outside of maybe Connecticut who is going to be able to play as well with as clear chemistry as this team from day one. And it matters in a season where everything is compressed and you're going to have to win a lot of games early on. Uh, you know, it, it's there are more games than ever before, but it is still a 36-game season. We're still talking about a season where if you get off to a difficult start in the first six games, well, that's one-sixth of the year. And it, it, it doesn't unfold the way, I'd say, a baseball season does, where it takes, you know, you can go 20 games into the season and it can still not mean a whole lot, except in the case of the New York Mets, who have, laid claim accurately, I think, is the best team in baseball, right? Of, of course. Of course. Uh, last year, the the Storm, you know, they kind of went to the finish line, even when Stewie was still in the lineup. They had problems with fatigue. Especially, they just had problems with, you know, shot variants for, on both sides. But they got off to such a hard start that they were still able to host home game, went to overtime, almost won the game against the eventual uh, finals runner-up. I think that's going to be huge this year, especially because they start off facing a number of good teams with a number of great bigs, which is especially troubling. And you have an all-defense level center in Mercedes Russell, their starter, who's going to be out for an indefinite period of time, still waiting for a solid update on her. So what that means, especially for the team, is there's not really another open spot just because of how the salaries work out, but it does mean that that last big spot that they're fighting for in camp 
you know, a four or a five coming into the lineup, there's an opportunity there for real minutes. And it's that's the most important thing I think we're watching for. I am disappointed as we're recording this podcast to find out that the storm have waved forward Lauren Manis uh, as of that. It is, it is expected. I Manis is a player who I really like. Uh, it's just, it's a very difficult thing to make any of these rosters without a doubt. But I, but I am intrigued by what you're saying. And, and right after we pay this bill, I want to talk about the battle for the spots for bigs in Seattle, because that's going to go a long way towards determining how they're able to weather the Mercedes Russell injury and also how well they do overall this season. But I'm here to talk about something very near and dear to my heart, and that's Built Bars. Specifically, M, you need to know that Built Bars have something called Puffs now. I, we haven't mentioned it. They have Puffs now? They have Puffs now. It's true. And, and so I want you to be the first to know. Uh, these are marshmallow-infused protein. Marshmallow, I mean, you think protein. Well, okay, you know, fine. That's, you know, maybe chicken or egg whites or something like that. Or you think marshmallow and you think, all right, well, there's going to be junk food. But marshmallow that is protein infused, how does that happen? And then you cover it with real chocolate. You say, all right, well, this is so delicious. Obviously, it can't be four grams net protein or four grams net carbs, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories. But guess what? Can I tell you something? It can. Yeah, it can be that. Yeah. So go to built.com. And use code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and get yourself mint brownie, coconut almond, or again, these puffs, they're cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pot. Go into Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. And, and do you know who you should tell them sent you? I think it might be Grandma Myrna. Ah, yes, you're right. Tell them Grandma Myrna sent you. That's right. Very well done. Nailed it. So who are the bigs for Seattle with Mercedes Russell out of there? I just I, I love the way she has developed and she's become just such a critically important part of the Seattle Storm team. But like, so what do they do now? Yeah. Someday I will write something a little bit longer on her, but for now I'm gonna have to table that. Um you know, depending on how you use positional definitions, I always use the longest form possible, just like a seven-positional breakdown, in which big means basically somebody who is interchangeable between the four and the five. Mm-hmm. Some people use that sort of a lump term for the front court. I got into a little bit of a I've gotten into confusion with people before about whether or not I'm talking about Stewie when I talk about the Seattle bigs. I'm usually not. What we're referring to right now is referring to, you know, they want to have three bigs. Last year for most of the season, it ended up being center Mercedes Russell, true big as Magdabor. Yeah, they're still really trying to figure out what her position is. I think Noe wants it to be four, as he wants it to be both. I think the front office might think she's a five. Hard mm. to tell. Um, and then they had Sierra Burdick, who was pretty much mostly a, mostly a five, but just depending on the garbage time lineup she was in. But now it matters. They want to give, it's the beginning of the season. You don't want to give your stars too many minutes. You want to ramp up, especially with Sadie's out. The post-defense matters. That was one of the, part of, that was one of the reasons that Chanta Lavender signed here was because she expected to be able to compete and have a very good chance of making the roster and have a good chance of playing a role on a championship caliber team. She and Noe have both talked in pressers like Lavender's pretty much locked for the team. And, you know, she played quite well 
in the preseason game. She fits the need really well. I think she plays off of Stewie well. You don't need a whole lot of height when Stewie's your secondary rim protector. True. And you know, I, and by that account, I think that she fits that role pretty well. The other options there, Lisa Kunane, who they were excited to, relative to where they drafted her, pick number 17, they were excited to have her. They had a late first round grade on her. She looked pretty rough in the preseason game, but you want to give rookies, you know, a little more time to adapt, see what she looks like in the next game. Especially you know, there's also, if you come out of a mid-major mid like the ACC, obviously there's a, a steeper learning curve than if she had, you know, played in the Big East, I would imagine. Long-time listeners will have heard this exchange before. I put college beside me. I can, I'll pick that up in a, in a few months when I can go and sing about like a, however many teams are in D1 again. Um, <laughs> speak of power conference, out of the SEC, uh, you're basically the third option you have there that's healthy right now is uh, Makaya Herbert Harrigan or mm-hmm. Kiki for nickname. She came from South Carolina. Um, you know, she had a lot of potential coming out of college as a real disruptive defensive playmaker and as a stretch four, even though it was on a little smaller volume, solid on the boards. Unfortunately, right now, she, she, she doesn't really look like someone who belongs on the court. I mean, she looks like somebody who became a mother within the past year, which right. she did, and she looks every bit of a person who's played exactly one minute of professional basketball since 2020, which she is. I think it's unfortunate. I think there's a lot of potential that's still there. But right now it's hard to see, and I don't know that the storm, with how important that backward position is, and with the fact that they seem to like Kennedy Burke to some extent, she had a decent breakout mirror ball. It's hard to see Kiki making this roster unless she improves a lot going into or in the next preseason game. What's frustrating about this, once again, is here's a player with a load of potential. Not somebody who was off radars. You know, she played South Carolina. She was a sixth overall pick by Cheryl Reeve. This is somebody who a lot of the key decision makers in the world of women's basketball thought a lot of. And yet, the first round pick for her. That's right. That's right. And yet, there is a limited window for where she can go to develop. And it just is a continuing problem. I mean, we just kind of... It's interesting to me, it's not so much a story we write at the next as much as it just infuses story after story after story when we cover the league. I mean, is there is there a sense of aggravation among the decision makers in Seattle knowing that? Knowing that, you know, Kiki is somebody who, if we lived in a world like the NBA, would have ample opportunity to get right and get to the point where she could help a team. You know, I think Seattle's, of all the front offices in the league, Seattle's front office is the best at being professional and being stayed, really, no matter the subject. But I, it's pretty clear that you can read between the lines. They like Kiki a lot um, yeah. in her potential, and they, she's someone that they want to see be able to develop. You know, if she, and it, if she had been able to play last year, and, you know, it's just so, it's wonderful for her that she's got the opportunity to be a mother and to be able to yeah. care for someone like that. Um, like a newborn and and generally all the best to her um if things but the things go differently last year there's time for her on the roster she probably ends the season on the roster and that's a good development time that she just doesn't have this year just because of the the time that she's spent off she's someone that i assume will be very high on their list to bring back in a hardship if they end up cutting her but you know we'll see what happens and we'll see what they think of burke when candy burke comes back it just there is paid maternity leave in the new cba but supporting mothers 
extends beyond that, especially when we're talking about supporting mothers who are also working. There needs to be a pathway back in that is something short of, well, you are superhuman and somehow able, like, uh, you know, to give birth and play as your old self within the matter of a couple of months, or in some cases, twins. I still can't really get my mind around that with Delana Bonner, but that is another story for another time. One other thing about this, and just more generally, as we segue to other battles on the roster, is 2022 looming as more important on decisions like Kiki because it's the storm, because, and we've talked about this before, the storm are so, and rightly so, all in on what may well be, and most people believe will be, Sue Bird's final season and potentially a season before Brianna Stewart once again hits free agency. The storm for the past several years, just because of Sue's age, but also because of the collection of talent they have on the team, they've always been in a sort of win now, but make marginal moves for later sort of decision process. And that's why I think, you know, that battle comes between Burke and Kiki at the end. Um, or, or sorry, it could. Um, because those are two players who are relatively young. Those are two players who the Storm traded. They traded the first round picks for. The, the first round picks were basically worthless just given the just given the classes that they came in and just sort of the talent that the Storm would or would not have been able to add to the roster that they were giving up. But, you know, it's two young players. It's two players who have flash potential in different ways um, and players who can fit with the roster. You know, I talked about before, in this past draft, they were able to get Jade Melbourne who they wanted and kick ahead a pick a year. They've been able to make some marginal moves to just to set themselves up for future contracts with some youth, even if it's not necessarily high level. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think this is sort of the kind of success that a front office who has the right vision, but also is making the correct moves, isn't shooting themselves in the foot, can say, you know, coming into last year, they were one of the favorites in the league. Um, and they were the number one seed for pretty much the entirety of the pre-Olympic um, stint for good reason. Before that, obviously, they're one of the most dominant teams in history. I and think conventional wisdom in the first half of this past season was that they were going to win it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that number the sky, whenever the sky got healthy, and well, we saw how that happened. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. So as you think about that in terms of setup for the future, but also as it relates to 2022, how is that impacting the battle at, let's say, the guards and the wings? And and I'd open it just by saying, I see Steph Talbot go 0 for 3 on the box score. Obviously, if Steph is not hitting her threes, there are some limitations to what she brings to the table. You think she has any reason to worry? And, and you know, if not, or if so, who do you think does have reason to consider themselves on the bubble here for them? I don't think Steph has any reason to worry for her career. She's around a 37, 38% shooter. Last year, before the Olympic break, she was hitting around, she was hitting in the mid 40s percent of her threes. A decent volume was like four and a half threes per 36. After the Olympic break, it was like down to like one and a half per 36. And she was, I think, sub 30% from three. There were a lot of, basically every single Olympian storm other than Ezzy suffered pretty significantly after the all-star break. Um, Talbot was right there with Bird in terms of the players who just dropped off catastrophically. I don't think she's a true talent like 45, 46% three-point shooter. I don't think she's a true talent 30% three-point shooter. Her career average is probably around where she's going to sit. She's going to space the floor. She's gonna, she cuts it very well. She's a good 
like tertiary maybe playmaker. And they don't even need her to be that. They need her to be like a fourth option. She's quite good with the ball in her hands um, in that in that role. Brian January also isn't there yet. Brian January is someone you know, for my money, is going to get the third most guard minutes there mm-hmm. pretty easily. Might be in their closing lineups. The It's just a pretty tight room because... Can I ask you about that real quick? That's really interesting. Oh. What do you think? Do you think there are lineups, closing lineups that include Lloyd, Bird, and January? When you play teams like the Wings, when you play teams like the uh, Storm, or not Storm, when you play teams like the Wings, you play teams like Liberty, um, there are going to be lineups where you're playing against teams that have three players who are not much taller than six feet tall. And that's when I think that you have that three-guard lineup that can work. It's definitely something that they're going to try. I don't know if it's their go-to. It's top of six, too, after all. But that's something that's going to be important. That's really interesting. That is really interesting. Well, we are running out of time. So before I let you go, I just need to flag something for you. This is something that a lot of people don't know. But men also have a professional basketball league. Uh, it's called the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know. And, and we wish them well. And it's important that everybody knows you make us your first listen every day. And we're grateful. Now make your second listen locked on NBA from the first jump ball, the play in tournament to the last possession of the finals. Locked on experts take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting. By the way, you're not going to believe this. All 30 teams, not 12, 30 teams. Yeah, something for the WNBA to shoot for, I would say, as soon as possible. Locked on NBA. Make sure you tune in. M. Adler, people can see it on screen if they're watching on YouTube, but where do they find you? Where do they find your work? They can find me tweeting way too much on Twitter at M underscore Adler. They can find me, uh, my first name, M spelled E-M. They can find me, of course, on our site, writing all the time. They can look forward to some uh, you know, preseason features from me, both positional breakdowns and hopefully some long-form features, season coverage all throughout. I also moonlight doing some random analysis from teams and players that stand, that stand out to me from the myriad of film I watched at the season. M. Adler, it is always delightful. Thank you for your time. Locked On Women's Basketball, your daily podcast on women's basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.